when brands start catching up to say, all right, we can really capitalize on talent, not just on social media. We can get their ideas, work with them, create a product, gain their audience, also have that sales. And we don't have to rely just on our design teams. We can have someone inject their ideas within our business. That's my guest, Lily Baker, co-founder of LMB and LMB Group. She started the agency with her mum about nine years ago, and now LMB is one of the leading influencer and talent management agencies, representing the most sought-after influencers in Australia. So ahead of its time, with several divisions and Lily at the helm. She's so switched on, just wait until you hear it. I've known her for about 20 years and she is a marvel. We chat about the direction the industry's heading, how she'd market her own brand, and the way that brands need to consider working with talent in this rapidly growing industry. Welcome to Process the Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Thomas, motion director and founder of production company Cinematom. I can't wait to bring you into the world of my guests, some of Australia's most prolific creatives, working in fashion, media and design as we unpack their unique creative process. This episode is brought to you by another project that I've been building called The Trend Tea. It's really overwhelming and not often great for mental health to spend hours on TikTok or Reels looking for trends. So I've made it easy for you. We do all the searching for you and send you all the latest trends. Usually there's about eight to 10 in your inbox every single week. And it's the price of a coffee. Inside the tea, you're also invited into a power hour every week where I get you up to speed on the industry's updates so you can understand how best to mold your own social strategy. We have special industry guests giving exclusive talks and I share my tips on creating for these new video first platforms. Let's dive into the episode with Lil. Taking us a while to get here. <laughs> we had some serious technical difficulties, but we're here. We've rescheduled a few times. How are you? I am so, so well, babe. I think we've both been saying we've seemed to got the fourth round of stiffles, but apart from that, brilliant. Brilliant for a Wednesday. How are you? I'm really good. I'm easing into like really leaning into the podcast and focusing on it again. And I'm so excited to kick off your episode's going to come out this Sunday, which I'm stoked about. It's going to be a very, very fast turnaround. That is and I just can't wait because, like, we're doing the video element of it and we're going to push everything out. And even you've been like, yes, vodcasts or whatever they're called now. So interesting. And as you said, we've actually had this conversation. Um, we work closely with E and they're really keen on this vodcast concept. And I think it is so, so clever because it is something that obviously if you want to listen to just audio, you can do. But if you do want to have that visual element, which I think so many people want to see, you've got that option too. So you're right on the money as per. <laughs> so for context, I've known you. Did we go to primary school together? We did. <laughs> we did. And then so Lil's year above me. And then so for like all the years of high school, you probably just scared the shit out of me. But I don't think you did because I used to live next to Lucy Nettlefold, who's your best friend. Correct. And so I was always like, oh, Lil, you know what? always at the sleepovers. Yeah, you and I had a bit of an understanding. I think there was, and funnily enough now at the age of 31, when people are like, oh, my God, like I was so intimidated by you at school. I'm like, really? Like why? Was it the height? Was it the volume of my voice? Like. I don't know, maybe it was just an age thing. But no, you and I always had, and Max, love, Tay, shout out. I don't know, do you still speak to Tay McKay? Yeah, she's in London. She's working in women's sports management. Right. 
You guys would actually okay. have some very valuable should conversations reconnect. and should probably should reconnect. Reconnect. <laughs> yeah, We should. But, yes, we did go to primary school together, so there's been a few years between us. Yeah, 100%. So when you were about 22 when you started LMB, right? Yeah. Yeah, right, right. So I'd probably just moved back from New York and you were in Sydney before doing – talk us through it. What did you do? I will. So I left school and um, decided to study international business at RMIT and it was sort of a bit of a filler because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, And then probably about three or four months into that course, I had a weekend in Sydney, Juliana Forge, who is still a very good friend of mine, um, was modelling up there and doing super well. So went and visited her for the weekend and her book up was actually like, I think you'd be amazing in this industry. I think you've got, you know, the gift of the gab. You seem really kind of comfortable speaking to different people. I want to introduce you to a guy called Peter King. So I had an interview at Vivian's Creative, which is the creative arms, uh, creative arm of Vivian's who look after photographers, videographers, stylists, hair and makeup artists, um, and really that production side of the industry. Um, and I got an unpaid internship there, which I just thought was the absolute bee's knees. Were unpaid internships, we were like, yes. And then okay. you walk in and they're like, can I have $150 a day minimum? You're like, fuck. No, <laughs> literally. And, but not only that, and this is where I think I had such a steep learning curve. I just threw myself in and whether it was, you know, sorting papers on a desk and then having like a little bit of a read of how they were invoicing or it was resizing imagery or reorganizing files on a computer. There was just nothing that I didn't want to do because I was just so excited for this opportunity. So I was still doing uni remotely. And then um, I got a paid role at Vivian's Creative, quickly moved down to the modeling desk as there was a um, a role that was probably a bit of a progression for me down there. Um, and then at the ripe old age of 22, I moved back down to Melbourne after seeing a little bit of a, um, a gap in the market where social media was something that clients were demanding of models um, and it wasn't something that at the time Vivians were interested in entertaining. So for me, I had a conversation with mum saying, look, mum, if brands like Sea Folly are willing to pay a talent or a model that we can't even get e-com for fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, there has to be something in this. I think we need to start an agency that has a real focus on social media. Um, so my mum, who's unbelievably talented, used to own a importing exporting um, luxury goods business. Um, so she sort of knew the business side. I had a good idea of the gaps in the talent side and then together LMB was sort of formed. Where was the convo with your mum being like you and I remember it so clearly. <laughs> I remember it so clearly. We were sitting at the kitchen bench um, at my mum and dad's house and I was like, you know, it's just so frustrating. Like I can see all this opportunity and like I feel like no one's listening to me and I've taken it to my boss and she's saying it's just not something that they do and I just know in my heart it's something that's going to be massive and, um, you know, I would sit and look at tumblers and I'd sort of read people's blogs and I'm like, why aren't we commercialising this? Like there's so much opportunity here but, you know, everyone's sort of plugging brands for free and typical me, I'm like, how can we make money out of this? <laughs> um, and so I said to mum, like, I'm, I'm feeling really frustrated. And I'd never been one to like journal or like, you know, write down sort of 
wish lists or anything like that. But I actually was going so stir crazy that I started a journal for when I become my own boss, things that I would do differently. So how I would empower my staff, how I would listen to their ideas, how I'd cultivate an environment where if I didn't know something and I hire someone for a role, I will let them go and do that role and I will not micromanage. So I had this, which I still got it. Um, and I've still got it at arm's reach, um, this journal of all of these different things that I would do differently and all of these areas of frustration that I was really, really struggling with. So um, that sort of formulated kind of our values of LMB. But, yeah, we were sitting at the kitchen table at my parents' house when when the idea was born. What mm. was it like going starting a business with your mum? Did you have any trepidations about it? Do you know what's so interesting? We... Probably for the first few years, it was more that power dynamic of, you know, your whole life, especially I was still so young at 22. Mum was um, such a formidable force in um, shaping who I was. And honestly, from when I could like cognitively understand things, my mum would say to me, you can be whatever you want to be. You are so, you know, talented. Um, like Not in a way that like, would pump up my tires, but there was never ever limitations to what I could achieve. Um, so we had a really beautiful dynamic like that, but mum was always in the power seat when it came to our relationship. So that was difficult because I knew certain things about the industry that mum didn't know and mum knew things about business that I didn't know. But I think there was just a mutual respect to understand that, you know, we both complemented one another as opposed to had to sort of fight each other for the control seat um, and that did take a little bit of time to kind of work out like I'm 22 and sort of t- directing you in certain ways and you're my mum and directing me in certain ways so we're like fuck off like yeah. let me do what I want to do you so do amazing for her because you guys are obviously so similar she'd be mm. like ah my prodigy <laughs> oh, but that's the thing we are so similar but so so different and I think that's the thing if um, I was to provide feedback to anyone going into a partnership in business Try and find, if it's at all possible, someone who's got complementary skills to yours but also has differences to you because at the end of the day, if you can kind of define separate roles that come together for the greater good, it's a really, really easy kind of partnership because I don't ask her what she's doing. She doesn't ask me what I'm doing. We just have blind trust and faith in one another's abilities. Um, But, yeah, we we are similar we are different in a lot of ways too. She's a little bit more um, cut and dry and I'm a little bit more of the warmth sort of <laughs> easing things in. Yeah, when you set it up, were you obviously at our age we're like fucking turbo, like working over hours trying to prove ourselves, grow a business. Were you the Energizer Bunny doing it all and was she right beside you or was she sort of in that kind of mum seat? Interestingly, <laughs> We did. Um, it was very much that. So being 22, I think I found a lot of barriers in terms of what do you know at 22. Um, so what I lacked in experience, I really made up for in work rate. So I would sit up until 4am every morning and I would write these documents. And honestly, a lot of them never even saw the light of day, but I would write these documents of like, what is our purpose? Why are we relevant? What's our USP? What are the problems that we're solving? What is it that we're bringing to the market? Why are we needed? All these, and it was almost like I was writing to myself, proving that LMB was actually 
something that was needed within the market. And little snippets, and we actually um, last financial year, so eight years on, I brought the documents to our staff and none of the team are the same team that we started with. Um, and I said to them, this is how we started. These were the documents that I wrote at 22. Um, it was essentially justifying our worth. And again, like a lot of those documents actually never, ever got seen or published or printed or whatever. But I read them now. I'm like, that is so cute that you're <laughs> like writing all of these documents being like, we are worthy. Like this is what we're this is what we stand for, like this is why we're so relevant. And I think, um, you know, those early hours of 1am to 4am when you've gotten through all your emails and you've done all the kind of um, nine to five things that you need to do in a business, they were the hours that I really kind of solidified in my head the worth and the value of LMB. Um, so the work rate was ridiculous. And I actually now don't know how... I sustained it. Isn't it crazy how little sleep we needed? Oh, babe. I I honestly don't think I could do that now. Definitely not. I look at myself like in Fashion Week and stuff when we first started doing those shoots. We'd stay up till 5 a.m. editing. I'd be with the team kind of supervising, cooking them food, making sure the editor was all happy. And if you, oh, my God, like doing that now, oofed. It is scary. But I think too, like, I also really admire my younger self. A hundred percent. Because I think there is a bit of a different understanding of what it is to work hard now. And I think that the younger generation is probably a lot smarter than us because they probably know that they can get a similar outcome to what we got. Who was the first talent that you signed? It was Rosalia Russian. So Nick, her husband, uh, Rose's husband was a model at Giant. So I had a very short stint at Giant in Melbourne when I left Vivian's in Sydney. I had a good understanding that I sort of needed to build back my Melbourne network, certainly within this industry. So Sydney was very much um, an editorial market. There was international models coming in and out. It was a lot more... Um, a bit more of like the cool girl, um, high-end sort of fashion model in Sydney. And sorry if this is offending anyone. Um, but Melbourne was much more of a commercial market. So I was like, oh, gosh, I need to sort of understand what that means and the differences between the two markets. So I did work at Giant Management in Melbourne for roughly about six months. And Nick was at Giant at the time as a model. And I touched base with him and I said, look, I'd really like to get in touch with your um, wife, Rosalia. Rosa at the time had a following, I think, of around 40,000 on Instagram, which was significant um, nine years ago, and also had a blog that she would share her outfits of the day on. Um, and she sort of really started that mirror selfie movement in Australia. And Rosa and Nick had just had their baby, Willow. I think Willow was sort of two or three months old. And um, I met with her at a cafe in Malvern and I presented to her one of those documents I was telling you about before and said, like, this is LMB. for something. <laughs> yeah, literally. I'm like, this is LMB. This is what we're wanting to do. And she had an assistant at the time who was kind of helping her do bits and pieces and get through the volume of emails. Um, so she was the first person that we actually sat down and really approached and discussed. But Emma Hawkins um, at that time had, um, oh, my God, I can't even remember what it was called now. Um, a blog. A blog. 
that so bad with um, another girl called Erin. So we took those, the girls on and then ended up just managing M. Um, Tully Humphrey was one of the talent that we had from the very beginning of the agency. We'd launched with about sort of eight talent um, in that initial phase, but there was some um, of our talent who, you know, we still represent today that were part of that first um, onboarding of talent, which was really exciting. And it's one of those things like I've forever grateful and forever, um, you know, this feeling of in debt to them because they really did believe in a vision that was me at 22. Mum was sort of doing the background stuff then, um, really just trying to sell myself at that stage because there was nothing else. We didn't even have a website. It was literally me and this weird random document being like, believe me, I promise you, I can do something for you. Um, So obviously I was able to kind of sell them into it and, yeah, it's been an amazing ride ever since. So how did it start with that? So you had, say, you signed Rosa and then she obviously had like a catalogue of brands that she was already in comms with and kind of chatting to for the blog. How did you, even in email stages, start those comms and also get the brand likewise to believe in it. So interestingly at that stage, the um, none of our talent were really monetizing um, or kind of running their platforms um, as a business yet. So it was still kind of very new and very early. So a lot of things were gifted or, um, you know, doing really kind of small budget stuff. Um, so I remember when Rosa actually, um, when she signed, she had around 4,000 emails that were just kind of forwarded on at that stage that we kind of filtered through. So she had a really great network of brands from the get-go. So for her, it was really just kind of sifting through and sorting out who was actually interested in working with her. Was it a brand that she wanted to do? And what would we actually put value-wise to that? M and Erin were exactly the same. Um, so for us, from the day dot, because I had done so much background as to like who is LMB, what do we stand for, who are, you know, our values and um, sort of this kind of shop front, we probably seemed more legit than maybe we were back then. <laughs> um, and that's the thing, like yeah, when you're starting to fake it till you make it. And at the end of the day, the person receiving that email, they don't know who I am. They don't know if I'm a 45-year-old woman who's had 25 years worth of experience or that, you know, 22-year-old girl who has had four years of experience. Um, At the end of the day, there was not a single email that went unreplied. There was not a single job that I didn't try and value add. There was not a single opportunity that I didn't try and um, make bigger than what it actually was. And I cared more than anyone else. I can solidly say nobody cared more than I did. So every single email that came through that to me was like the absolute last email that I was ever going to get. And I was going to ensure that that email was so perfect that if the talent was accidentally CC'd in, they'd be like, yes, that's my manager. So I took such pride in everything we did from the very, very get-go of LMB. And I think that value or that um, kind of notion has really carried through the agency because all of our team now, all 10 of them, they care so, so much. They bleed LMB. So whether it be, um, you know, speaking to a client on the phone or um, confirming a job or every single sale feels like the best thing that we've ever done. And this is nine years on. So 
I think that's a value and a quality that LMB has so uniquely um, harnessed within our team and hopefully our talent as well um, that it never gets old. It's not something that we're like, oh, oh well, yeah, great. It's like, yeah. no, like it's, it's still like just another email for another. No, it still feels that exciting and it still feels like that last, like, you know, supper. Like it's, we're never complacent is what I'm trying to say. How have you harnessed that as a leader of a business? I think they can see how much I care. Yeah. And I think that always filters from top down. So when I say I, mum and I care, I think we've always had this value of family first. Everyone deserves a seat at the table. Um, never be exclusive. And I think the team can see how much we live and breathe this business. So that level of care is then instilled and kind of projected on our team too. Um, But also we're fucking lucky. We have got the most unbelievable team that, um, you know, we've had some doozies along the way. way (laughs) That's for sure. Um, But where we've landed now, we are so grateful and so lucky that we do kind of share every day with the girls that, that are in the office and that, um, you know, do work at LNB. So how did it start with your first hire? Especially like being 22, that's so scary. Interestingly, <laughs> my first hire was my boss at Giant. So really? yeah, Justine Cook, she's one of the most remarkable people who I've ever worked with. Um, she's someone who changed LMB fundamentally. Um, we obviously, mum and I had done kind of um, the groundwork of setting everything up, set the business up, set the accounts up, sort of made a start. But it really wasn't until Juzzy started that the business actually got some structure. So she was the head booker at Giant when I started at Giant and she was just unbelievable, so methodical, so structured, so everything that I wasn't. Um, and she came in and really kind of um, didn't really give us an overhaul because she started sort of three or four months in. So our first hire was very, very early. Right. But we like broke even from a business perspective very, very early. We only started the agency with 20 grand. So it was not like we had these massive overheads. We had the luxury of um, my parents have got a self-contained apartment at their house. So that's where the agency started. So Juzzy would come to my parents. I remember that. Didn't you take it because Jack, your brother, had it as his bedroom? Oh, there was <laughs> cave. It went from um, the man cave to the lady lounge and it was very controversial there for a second. But it was stunning. It was. It, oh, it still is. Um, so we were so, so lucky. But as far as it went, like we've touch wood, we've never had to loan any money. We've, um, you know, both put in. Uh, mum and I inside of the agency and um, we are so proud of kind of where it started. But that first hire with Justine was, I think, probably the most pivotal part of LMB from when we really were kind of like trying to stay above float to being like, all right, we're legit now. We're legit. She's got so much sort of understanding, industry knowledge. She had a lot of connections. Um, so, yeah, she was my boss and then the leap of faith and joined LMB and um, she was with us for four years. Did you divide it up like how, like probably how you did the modelling um, books and she had a suite of talent and you had a suite of talent? Yeah, we did. So, and w- it's still structured like that to this day. So um, within the agency, um, we sort of had 
Jazzy and I did actually because we didn't have a huge pool of talent then. So we did share a lot of work. I've always sort of sat in the ideation seat. So coming up with concepts, ensuring our talent kind of stay relevant, what's next, um, you know, how can they sort of present to be, um, you know, commercially valuable to a client? What are their channels looking like? Is their brand where it needs to be? Um, and Jazzy was unbelievable at execution, which um, that really kind of formed the talent manager role. Um, so, you know, in terms of ensuring everything was in a chart, we came up with something that we call a catch-up. So every single week our talent get this is your life in an email from invites to reminders to confirm jobs to pending jobs. So they get this full-on fucking document every single week. And Jazzy was the one who actually implemented that structure, which we still use today. Um, so yes, while we did have our individual talent, we kind of looked after, we did have a massive crossover too, um, because we were so small, it was sort of like everyone does everything really. And I'm saying you're building a brand for LMB at the same time. Totally. That's amazing. So what are some key lessons that come to mind? Oh, um, key lessons that come to mind as far as hires or those early days of just things that stick out that you're like, oh God, if I could have my time again. <laughs> um, do you know what? I'm, this has only been probably in the last six months um, that I've, or six or 12 months that I've really thought this, is just having more faith in gut feeling. Mm. So I'm like very intuitive in terms of making decisions and like, oh, it doesn't feel right. Oh, yeah, like that feels kind of good if I'm like in that in that zone. Um, but I did a lot of things and we made a lot of decisions based on the benefit of others, as opposed to based on the benefit of the agency. So if we felt like, um, you know, our talent really needed more traditional publicity, we hired a publicist and we weren't a PR agency. So rather than Mm. outsourcing a publicist, we're like, Oh, we can do it all because we want our talent to have the best of the best. So we tried three different publicists and none of them worked and we're like, okay, stop. What are we good at? We're good at talent management. We're good at confirming great partnerships. We're good at ideating campaigns. We're good at servicing clients. We're good at managing talent. We're not publicity. So let's not try and force it because we think it's going to benefit our talent. What's going to benefit our talent is keeping the main thing the main thing. So I think just trying not to do it all and staying true to what you're really good at is some advice because I think, um, you know, we've made so many um, mistakes is not the right word, but we've tried to do so much. Mm. And I think if we had just solely focused purely on one thing, um, it it might have been a lot of kind of an easier road to take we spend a lot of money trying to develop other areas and a lot of money um, trying to kind of better our service, but our service is already fucking amazing. So like having faith in knowing that we're doing it right and not doubting, um, you know, certain things. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever looked back at all the hours that are going into, because social media is really hard and essentially the partnerships and stuff that you guys are working on, sometimes on the smaller side of contracts, they can just be one Instagram post or a certain batch of stories. Mm. Do you ever look at the model of working in social? And I feel like this because I will slave for days 
in the editing suite for one video that's going on social media organically and then it'll disappear. Is it hard maintaining so much that that LMB care and pride when you know it's just one post? Like how does that go? I don't ever look at the result. I love the journey. So like I think that's probably why we haven't felt the fatigue because the excitement for me comes in the idea being born. So if there's a really exciting idea that we're like, oh, my God, okay, we've seen a, you know, Sharpie pen, like how can we create a really clever concept around the Sharpie pen? That kind of, that's where my excitement goes is coming up with the idea, seeing it being created, seeing the talent, um, you know, really put their effort into the content. And, yes, while the video may only seem like it's relevant for one scroll down your social feed, you don't know how many people that's actually impacting in that short amount of time. Um, so I think for me, like I never get that feeling of like, oh my God, we've put up, we've put in so much energy for such a short, um, stint because we also see the results and the value. So I think it's less about time and more about impact, if that makes sense. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Such a nice way to think about it too. So with all that in mind, what does a day in the life of an LMB booker look like? Like how does that go? Honestly, (laughs) our team and like call me bias, but my good God, their work rate is second to fucking none. They are unbelievable. So um, as far as a talent booker goes within the agency, the girls get in around 8 a.m. They'll kind of look at emails, clear anything urgent. Then first thing they do is reminders for the day. So any posts that need to go up during that day um, for their particular talent portfolio, they'll be like, hey, you know, Lise, um, here's a reminder for today, caption, photo approved, and basically send through all the relevant things that need to go up for that particular day. Um, they'll then get into either face-to-face meetings, phone meetings, which you try and keep in the morning. So the afternoon is left for organising for the following day, following week. Mm. Um, but the girls could go through sort of 150 emails a day um, and that's both emails coming in from talent. So a lot of brands obviously will contact talent directly, which then gets forwarded onto the agency. But then obviously there's emails that come direct to the agency. But I think one thing that LMB has done so well and we continue to do um, and focus so heavily on is our proactive element. So the girls have got KPIs every week of a set amount of proactive emails that they have to send for talent. Um have to is an aggressive word (laughs) for talent so if you know we set goals for the talent that they want to be the face of emirates the only way that they're going to do that is if we're proactively pushing that goal to become the face of emirates so does that start with okay are we traveling somewhere if we're traveling somewhere is that a flight path that emirates is on great what's the content that we're producing to show emirates that you're a good fit for the emirates brand is that luggage content is that content about in-flight entertainment like what does that actually look like yeah you reverse engineer exactly reverse engineer is a perfect way of saying it so then the talent managers will work tirelessly to ensure that our talent is in front of the right people at the right time to then hopefully confirm those long-term goals um but then you know they're working through deliveries and ensuring the talent have got the right 
you know, product to be shooting. They're working through briefs. They're ensuring call sheets are being sent out. They're, um, you know, confirming meetings and jobs that the talent have and physically need to be there for. It could be invites, events. So they have got so many different hats on at every given time and our gratitude and love for our team is absolutely boundless because we see how much they do on a daily basis and how much they care. But no two days are really the same. Yeah, that's insane. Mm. So cool. I love hearing about the day in the life kind of thing. It's just like, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, So what is the best way, do you think, for a brand to reach out to talent management? Well, it's changed so significantly over the course of our business. Um, You know, as I said, we're going to year nine. This is our ninth financial year. And nine years ago, it was very much, we really don't know how to navigate in socials. LMB, can you tell us how to do this? So we were really much more in the control seat back then, being able to be like, this is how we think you should spend your money. This is how you can essentially break up your budgets. Um, This is a good talent for your brand. Whereas now brands are so savvy, they have got a much better understanding of how to work with talent, what does and doesn't work. But we still feel the best way for brands to work with talent is giving the talent a little bit more control because at the end of the day, nobody knows their brand better than them. So Mm -hmm. for a brand to come to us and say, this is exactly what has to be done and dictate, you know, messaging and wording and and, um, visual kind of cues, I don't feel like is the best way to go about it because it leaves no room for creativity. Um, So I think if a brand can obviously still have a very good idea of their objectives, whether that be um, content creation, brand awareness, driver to sales or, um, you know, whatever other marketing objective they have, and then also give us this is the product that we want to focus on, allow us to come back to you. You might hate our ideas and say, no, I don't want it, but at least allow us to pitch it back to you um, and, you know, really give us the opportunity to kind of show you what we're best at. And that's what LMB does with our talent the best is ideate things and come up with value adds and ensuring that we are not just taking your money, but we're hopefully enhancing your experience within the social realm or within working with talent. Um, So I think collaborative working is the best way brands can actually engage talent um, and Mm. utilise their skill set, not just kind of dictate what they are wanting. So I think if I was to launch a tangible brand, um, which we've done recently with LMB Group, um, for me it would be getting the product right before I really went double down on any marketing. I think a lot of people are so quick to market now, the product's not quite right. So then they've got to do almost like a secondary launch to get it Mm. back out there once they've kind of finessed it a little bit more. Um, But social media and talent is such an unbelievable way to kind of keep costs low and really have a massive impact. Um, But I think a good media mix is important. So if you've got enough budget in in the marketing pool, I will try and really do a nice media mix of, yes, social and talent, but also if you've got the ability to do some above the line, whether that be um, print or um, some kind of form of traditional advertising, I still think that there's value in that too. Um, But it all comes down to money really. (laughs) Yeah, that's great infinite budget you know I would do 
one thing, but if you're working on a really, really low budget, um, I think getting it on your friends, trying to get some organic support through word of mouth, and then really trying to um, focus on socials and, and getting it out there is probably the most cost-effective way of doing it. It's crazy because Instagram's free and people are like, oh, they're not seeing my content, no, no, no. Like it's free. So to- yeah, completely. <laughs> and I don't know if I would invest, <coughs> pardon me, heavily in digital boosting as much. Like I know as a consumer I hate sponsored ads on yeah. my phone. Totally different if I'm watching a TV show and I'm expecting the ad, but socials, don't love it. It's so interesting, but you guys would, I don't know, it's just Instagram is such a beast. Like how do you feel about all the changes and and TikTok coming into play and all that? Well, look, this is a prom con of me. I am like (laughs) laser fucking focused. And as you mentioned before, my best friend Luce, um, I spoke to her on Sunday. I was having a problem with something work-related and um, we're in a really unique and really exciting position where we have so much option and opportunity. So I'm so proud that the agency has gotten to the point where we are so heavily in demand but what comes with that is decisions as to what you focus on and what you spend your time on. And Luce actually said she used to be um, an incredible skier, as you know, and she's like, if I was to focus on the fact it was raining, it was icy, um, you know, that third turn in the slalom was something that really gave me a panic. I need to trust in the fact that I've trained fucking hard. I'm the best I can possibly be. And I know that if I'm at my best, I'm going to be able to win this race and ignore all external factors, then that's kind of the best place you can be. So for me, we don't worry about Instagram moving too quickly we don't worry about other talent doing other things. We don't worry about brands shifting budget back to traditional. Um, for us, we're like laser focused on achieving our talent's goals. And then if we look after our talent, in turn, the beast will kind of look after itself. So if we can constantly keep our talent relevant, they will always be in demand. So whether that be relevant on Instagram, TikTok, relevant as their own person, um, I think if you're trying to focus on technology, there's no way you can ever get ahead because it's always going to beat you. Um, Does your talent feel the overwhelm? Um, yeah, I think some of them definitely would. I think it's also overwhelming when there's so much demand on you to stay um, with it. And relevant, right? And, and, like- and relevant. And that's also our job though. So, like, they know that they've got a team behind them who – We've got someone literally just sitting purely, their role is in branding and comms, ensuring that what our talent are doing is on the money for what the Australian market's doing. So they've also got faith in the agency to know that, all right, if TikTok becomes a relevant platform, LMB is going to be advising us on how we can best perform on TikTok. If Reels are now getting the most kind of intel on the algorithm, we know that LMB is going to bring that to us. So it is very much a partnership between talent and agency. Um, But I hope if they ever do feel, and I know, you know, some of them do feel overwhelmed, there's always a strategy that we can put in place and whether that be, okay, we have a week off socials and we really just focus on what our purpose here is. Um, But a lot of them understand it's a job. So Mm. 
you feel overwhelmed in your job every day and you can't just go and call up in a ball and feel sorry for yourself. It's like, okay, <laughs> I feel overwhelmed. I've got a team around me that can assist me with this. So what does that look like? How am I going to pull myself out of this feeling of, you know, being snowed under and step-by-step step kind of work through it um, together? So with all the new talent that's coming up essentially because, I mean, people can be defined as talent now as they have an iPhone and a knack for a good pick. So what are you looking for in new talent? And do you um, actively look for new talent? Um, this is where we are very, very lucky. We do have a lot of talent at the moment coming to us because I think they've found a lot of agencies um, haven't understood where things are moving and they can see that LMB through launching things like the LMB group and we've just opened a studio for our talent to come and use for free and, um, you know, we're really investing in trying to ensure the longevity of our talent and not just younger talent, our talent that have been with us for years um, and, like, what the progression plan looks like for them. So I'm so grateful that the external world can see that that's how the agency runs. So we don't actually actively go out and seek talent. Um, but we are also very kind of aware that we need to stay relevant for brands in our offering too. So someone like a Harvey Petito who's got 1.6 million followers on TikTok, brands are like, oh, my God, yes, great, you've got that option for TikTok. So from a commercial mm. standpoint, we also need to be, um, you know, extensive in our offering. Diverse, so it's kind yeah. Of a, yeah, diverse, exactly. <clears throat> it's kind of that push-pull. Um, but for us, I think our growth, which some may think is not overly um, commercially viable. Our growth has been really in the development of our talent. So it's... Um, it's a totally different angle. Like the loyalty that your talent has had and like and vice versa is insane. Yeah, totally. And it's that thing of rather than having 100 talent who are mediocre, having 20 talent who are unbelievable, you're going to get the same outcome as far as a bottom line perspective. But we care more about them. They know that we've got the care in their development and it's not just that, you know, hamster wheel of like, oh, okay, next. Oh, yep, she yeah. did that job next, um, which a lot of agencies, and that was my frustration with the modelling industry. It's like you get a casting come in, we want a five foot eleven blonde, oh, well, here's 30. We don't have that option at LMB. A brief comes in, we have one talent that fits that one brief and it is very specific and very kind of, um, typically them, mm. you know, it's not just a, a, um, production line of talent that we, that we have. And that's not what we ever want the agency to be. It's so, um, like the integrity behind what you've built is remarkable. So where did the LMB group come into play? So we're always, and this is, the busy mind disease, um, but we're always thinking like, okay, what does a progression look like for an established talent? Is it going into traditional media? Is it going into, you know, in-house at a brand as a creative director? Is it developing their own brand themselves? Is it doing collaborations with other businesses where they can get a higher commission of what the sales would be? Um, so for us, LMB Group is a tangible extension of LMB Management. It's essentially helping our talent and other talent develop products for themselves, either in collaboration with an existing brand or as an always-on business. Um, and we've seen the millions and millions of sales that 
our talent have garnered over the last nine years. We're like, why aren't we taking back a little bit of power here? You've obviously got the ability to sell. We know what you can sell, in what colour, at what price point, to what consumer. We've got all that data. Now we can create businesses and brands with such specific intel um, where, you know, you're the one who gets the majority of the, the share. Um, so LMB Group has really been a progression for our talent to open up the possibility of developing their own brand or, um, you know, collaborating with a brand on a tangible product and not just being um, on social media pushing other people's products but having a little bit more control for themselves and pushing their own ideas and their own um, wants and needs through a product. So how will that work in terms of the scope of different like ranges and everything? Like it's very unique, like Rosalia, for example, and Bellini. Was that the shoe? Bellini shoe? Yep. She yep. did. So obviously you've got Bellini with a history of shoemaking and all of that in the in their kind of wheelhouse. And then you've got Roz doing her thing with the content, the modeling, the marketing channel, obviously, and the reach that she has to her consumers. Where does LMB come into play with a certain expertise of a brand or or one product? So with Collabs, I think um, the talent have got such a good idea of their loves and wants. So for them, um, Rosa with Bellini, she had a really epic kind of concept of what she wanted to do in terms of the collection itself. So yes, while the business Bellini is actually manufacturing the shoe, Rosa's the one designing it, coming up with the colorways, coming up with, um, you know, the concept of what the shoot's going to look like in collaboration with LMB um, and working out kind of how we're going to bring this to market and how that marketing um, campaign is going to sell through for that particular product. So it really is very hands-on from the get-go through to the final sale of that product, that whole kind of supply chain and logistics process is very kind of hands-on from um, from our perspective. A great example is the Bambi collaboration we did to really launch LMB. So we had 10 talent. I all, remember that on the Gold Coast. Exactly, or- yeah. So 10 talent, all very different talent, all designing their dream frame of eyewear. And it was literally, it was a beast, but um, Bambi eyewear was like, all right, everyone put in their ideas. It was the whole process times 10. So this collection was a collection of 10 pairs of sunnies, all with a different touch of that talent, all with 10 ways of selling it. And they had the control to be like, all right, this is how I want to market it. This is how I want to sell it. This is So it was such an amazing case study for us to now take forward and show businesses that this is essentially what it looks like to have a talent design for you and the sales that you can garner at the back of it. and. You know, they've got an audience of like Martha, for example. Um, Martha's got an audience who is so loyal to her. So her her frame was very unique mm. and she had the ability to sell this frame that Bambi would never even dream of designing. So they got a whole different consumer. They got a whole different kind of um, design take. And, you know, Martha had, you know, the fun of designing it and selling it and sharing it with her audience too. So there is such a value add within LMB Group LMB group really won't have its proper moment 
until, you know, another sort of year or two when brands start catching up to say, all right, we can really capitalise on talent, not just on social media. We can get their ideas, work with them, create a product, gain their audience, also have that sales. And we don't have to rely just on our design teams. We can have someone inject their ideas within our business on a project basis. And it's an unbelievable way to keep consumers interested, to have that cut through with talent, but also to make some fucking money in sales. So it's much more heavy at the moment, at least in the branding capacity rather than the manufacturing capacity. Yeah, so there's three kind of facets of LMB group. Um, we've got the brand side, so that's us helping talent set up their own businesses, and that's called brands. Um, so whether it be you know one of our hairstylists doing a line of you know hair tools, or mm-hmm. um, one of our guys doing an alcohol brand, or so they're always on businesses. It would run as LMB would run, and we essentially take the seat of the operations of the business with them so the talent can still be out in the sort of um front ensuring that they're kind of creating and and doing and they've got the support of lmb group to make sure that you know the operations of the business is where it needs to be does lmb have equity in those brands you'll have to be one of those brands to find out <laughs> <laughs> it's like so back of house i'm like they're all kind of structured differently so depending on um like any business deal the structure of brands will be pending on the talent and the involvement needed by LMB Group. Yeah. Very diplomatic answer. Such smart little cookie you are. Um, then Colab is um, talent times brand. So like Molly King time base, times base or Rosa times Bellini or, um, you know, Elliot's got some really exciting stuff happening. So that's in collaboration. It's short, it's sharp, it's project-based only. So mm-hmm. it would be one collection. It goes to sale. Once it sells out, you can't get it again. And then there's our fun like merch side. So that's just like we've got LMB group jumpers and tees and whatever. So that's just us. We wanted to ensure that we understood the, the um, production process. So we've just done like a little... Um, a little capsule for ourselves, which has been... That learning process, though, is integral. Do you remember that brand that I had, Remy? Oh, 100%, babe. And right. the thing that we learned through doing oh. our merch, which we thought was so important that we understood it when we're asking brands to do it for us, was, um, yeah. So when you've got brands and talent and you're working out KPIs, how do you map out that equation? It's all down to the brand's objectives. So... We obviously can really help um, brands understand what talent is really kind of heroing um, what element of the marketing mix. So we've got some talent who just create beautiful content and have unbelievable ability to gain brand awareness and, you know, have um, a brand depicted in a certain way. We've got talent who don't have such a focus on perfect content, but they can move units. Um, so the KPI would be very dependent on the objective of the brand and we would never, ever, um, we're big on managing expectations. So if a brand came to us and said, we need to move 20,000 units of this dress and we really want this talent who um, is known for creating beautiful product um, and elevating brands but doesn't move 20,000 units, we would never suggest that talent to that brand. Um, so it's horses for courses. And I think KPIs, while they can be set and, um, you know, ideally 
we achieve over and above any KPI set, I guess the risk of advertising also comes into play that if we can get consumers to a business's website but they don't check out, that's sort of also not back on our talent. It's sort of that push-pull of being like how far along that process is our responsibility and then what's kind of the brand's responsibility to convert that consumer to a sale. Um, So, yeah, it's case by case with KPIs but we always do like to set clear targets so when we do exceed those targets we can be like, here you go, let's (laughs) go again. Love, Love a bit of data. How do you personally keep up with social and trends and even new brands to market? Like are you reading trades? Are you fatigued from the social personally because you're scrolling for work? Do you know what? We, and again, like this may be a flaw, but we really do have the blinkers on. So all of our strategy is set through what goals we're trying to achieve. So we actually don't try and keep up with trends as such. It's a thing of understanding if, you know, um, Elliot's wanting to have a design collab with a, I don't know, luxury brand, we wouldn't so much do research out in the market as to do research on that brand specific channel. Um, so I'm actually a little bit of a um, a little bit of a dag when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to keeping up with trends. We just kind of go by what feels right for us, rather than trying to oversaturate and over educate ourselves on every other thing. Because where do you even look? Yeah. I actually don't even know anymore. Like you know, we obviously have conversation with clients and understanding what the market's wanting and what brands are doing. But um, for us, it's more word of mouth and understanding kind of what our talent and what our clients are wanting. What is it about the industry at the moment that's sparking your interest? Like you mentioned when we were offline that you guys just started working with a YouTube, a YouTuber, vodcasting. Is that what it's called? Vidcasting? Vodcasting. Vodcasting. I should know that. (laughs) The thing that excites me most is um, the rapid development at the moment. So there's this massive... Um, which this financial year, I think a lot of talent will start sort of spanning off into other um, revenue streams. So whether that be, as we were saying, you know, bringing back YouTube, um, like the LMB group doing these collabs, um, a lot of brands are looking to talent and bringing them in-house in creative director roles. So, you know, working literally within their marketing departments as an influencer, having, you know, all this intel from their audience and their um you know, consumers through socials and feeding that information back into brands. Um, So for me, what excites me and gives me that real kind of like butterflies in my tummy is the fact that there is all this emerging opportunity and it's that thing of being like, okay, understanding what opportunities is going to be appropriate for what talent and then also really pushing the talent to um, not stay in the comfort zone of just socials because I actually don't think a lot of brands will just keep pouring money into socials as they have been now that the world's opening up again. The last two years we've been so lucky that um, a lot of brands have had to rely on social. Um, But now I think that it's opening back up. Brands are like, all right, well, what's next? And LMV really want to take that leadership role to be like, this is what's next. Yeah. I think for (laughs) us it's also about like, brands that are kind of pushing the pushing the envelope like I'm really loving these kind of co-branded collabs that are coming out between like Versace and Fendi and like the, yeah. that group 
that's LMB group, these like collabs of like, you know, I love when brands are working together for something that's slightly different and it's not so competitive anymore. Like, you know, obviously they would go toe to toe as far as it would be in the marketplace, but to then have them join together and create something that's so unique um, with their fundamental kind of branding within it, like that's the shit that gets me really excited. I feel like they're also even doing that in a way that subliminally they're telling markets and audiences that we're stronger together mm. almost as like Babe, this is my thing there's room for everyone yeah. there's, I'm like create room and this is what I cannot stand and I've I found this certainly the first five years of LMB it was just so closed off and we're so fortunate to have such a good network through um you know years of knowing people and whatever but there was never this mentality of like hey let me help you or let's do this you know, together and the outcome is going to be so much greater. And that's what I've actually found since moving to Queensland. People are a lot more open to being like, Lil, this is so-and-so. I think you'd really like them or I think you should meet this person. That'd be great for, you know, business or whatever it might be. So, uh, yeah, I love collaborative working. I really do. Let's talk about your move to Mm. New South Wales. Queensland. Queensland. On the Gold Coast? I'm a GC girl now, babe. Oh, my. Forever? Or are you just having a little hiatus? Well, initially it was literally just to open the office. We tried to open up an office in Sydney during COVID and it just didn't work for us. It needed one of or both the directors there to really kind of harness the L&B essence. Um, But now that I'm here, like... (laughs) I know. Elliot and Luce came up last weekend and they're like, oh, you're never fucking coming back. Like, you're never coming back. I have not been this happy in, I can't even tell you. We'll touch on the fact that you also had an accident a year. Well, how long ago was that? Oh, scared me goosebumps. Um, two and a half years ago, maybe. Wow, that God, that's so long ago. Yeah, I know. And you took um, it back. Yeah, so I had a forced um, forced step back. So I had a really bad car accident um, and I tore my spine. Um, I tore a sheath in my spine, so like actually my spinal cord and um, like the fluid from around my brain was actually leaking out of my spine. So my brain had sagged um, like literally down into the back of my spine. So I wasn't able to sit, stand, walk um, or essentially do anything including work. Um, so that obviously put a raging halt on all elements of my life. So then for us, mum was obviously still kind of running things, but it was really um, our team, like our general manager, Jaden, who um, probably hasn't give, been given enough of a highlight in this, um, along with our team, um, ran LMB for months while I was completely unable to do I couldn't even reply to a text message um so yeah it was a yeah it was it really was and I think like it's such a distant kind of memory now and so much of um that is all resolved and and fine but what I think it taught us collectively as a team is it's so things can just change on a whim so enjoy what you're doing um nothing's forever and it's it's PR not ER so like 
we really do. <laughs> I've really, never heard that and I love it. Yeah, PR, not AR. So while things seem so important and so crucial and, you know, we are having a massive impact on, you know, multiple people's lives through our talent and then they're influencing huge markets and whatever. But at the end of the day, without your health, you can work your ass off and it can go in a in a minute. So it's given a sort of perspective that there's just no way I could have had in my life otherwise. Um, but I ended up having five operations, all five of operations failed and they oh literally God. just said, you, your body has to do it yourself now. Um, so it was, yeah, it was so crazy. Very, very crazy. And now you've recovered and you live on the JC and we're never going to see you again. I'm <laughs> <laughs> flying to Melbourne today. But, um, Are you? I am. Hey. I am. But um, the, the thing with that too is in some ways like you care less about what you probably used to care a lot about. 100%. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think things that used to really rattle me, like if something would go wrong or if, you know, a talent was upset or if I'd be like, oh, my God, like this is my whole life, my whole life is going to come crumbling down. I'm like, do you know what? I know intrinsically within myself I have tried so fucking hard or like I know that I've been a good person and done the right thing. So it's much more like whatever, what will be will be. But I think it's also age that comes with it. But I'm so happy that you've reached that spot where Mm. you're leading a team that you're so proud of, you have a suite of talent that you adore and you've got that element of your life of firstly happiness but second perspective to not sweat the small stuff. It's such an incredible place in your life to be. It is. And do you know what? Coming into this next financial year, I haven't had this feeling of clarity and um, mm, I don't even know if the word is like when you stop caring so much about what you can't control, I feel like you really do let in certain opportunities that you would never have done before. So this feeling of like we had just have so much exciting stuff kind of coming to us at the moment. I'm like, I just feel like the floodgates have lifted or opened because there is this like lack of stress or pressure or whatever that's been released. So um, I think it's going to be a good 12 months. I really hope so. You have earned it. Oh, thank you, darling. I appreciate it. Lil's ambition, integrity and passion for the industry that she's built is infectious and as we discussed, it's growing rapidly. That is why this episode is perfect to pair with the trend tea. Stay on top of all the latest trends weekly and save yourself hours of unhealthy social scrolling. Since you've listened to this entire episode, I've got a bonus code for you. Sign up to the trend tea and see what all of this is all about for half price. That equates to $2.75 per week for the first month. And then it goes up to the usual $5.50 per week. But that is still only the price of a coffee, so you're killing it. I hope that you loved this episode. And since I'm only in our first season, I need all the love that I can get. Please subscribe, leave a review, or send it to an industry friend that you think would get value from this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.